Hi, my name is Ali Reza Mujibian, and welcome to Noteworthy. Melody Corbett is a woman of many talents. She has a beautiful soprano voice, she's a fantastic actress, and I would say most importantly, right now, she's one of the young, fearless arts administrators who are helping keep our beloved cultural institutions going during these difficult times. With that said, sit back, relax, and thank you for joining us. One of the things I wanted to talk to you about is your experience working for the Vancouver Recital Society. Um, how how did you even get uh, to the Vancouver Recital Society? Because we both graduated from UBC Opera, and then we both... Uh, slightly diverted our career paths at the very beginning. <laughs> um, and I, I guess I'm still diverted. Um, you, yeah. I'm still very diverted. But how did you how did you get back into um, the arts? Not back into, but really live mainstream arts organization and the Vancouver Recital Society? Yeah. So after I finished university, I kind of didn't really know what I wanted to do. I was sort of like, do I want to pursue a performing career? And I had a lot of doubts about like whether that was I wanted the direction that I wanted to go in with my life because it's a lot of travel. It's a lot of really, really hard work. And, you know, it's a lot of luck, too. Yes. <laughs> um, and I've always been the kind of person who sort of I don't do super well with un- that kind of uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Um, so eventually... Both. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I I sort of freaked out about that for a while after after school and then I kind of just came to the conclusion like okay, I'm going to just go get a job. It doesn't really matter what it is right now. I'm good at administration. I'd done some of that in school. Um mm-hmm. I was the opera librarian for a while, so that was kind of a a good like place to start for administration. Yeah. Um and so I went and got a job first at a recruiting agency for a summer and I didn't like that at all. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, they hooked me up with, um, a construction and real estate company who were, who was looking for an administrator. So I, I went and worked for them for about a year. And then I was sort of like keeping an eye out through all of that time for a good opportunity in the arts because I really missed it. And I, I felt like I could do really well in sort of an arts administration position. Mm -hmm. Um, so eventually I came across the posting for the recital society job, um, on this one of the arts Alliance board here in Vancouver, they have like a job posting board. Oh, cool. And it was funny cause it turned out that, um, Duncan, my partner and the lovely producer of this podcast, hi Duncan, <laughs> hi Duncan. <laughs> um, <laughs> he had actually known the founder and artistic director of the recital society, um, he had met her a few years ago and he'd gone to some concerts and they'd sort of struck up like a friendly relationship. He'd go and visit mm-hmm. the VRS office every once in a while. Um, and Duncan's mom actually knew Leela, the artistic director as well, because Leela had posted ads in, um, in the Gray Grant family paper that they they used to run oh, yeah, the newspaper. Was a teenager. yeah in the newspaper so Leela when Leela the founder of the VRS came to um, Vancouver from South Africa she started off as a piano teacher yeah so she ran ads for piano lessons in Daphne's parents paper so there was kind of a connection through Duncan's family already and okay. he sort of told me like I think this would be a really good job for you it's a great organization yeah. so I applied and I didn't tell the VRS that I knew Duncan because I wanted it to be just like 
completely on my own merit. Exactly. That kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and so I, yeah, I applied for the job. They, I got an interview. I was the first person they interviewed and I <laughs> actually recently found out that, um, after they interviewed me, they like knew that they wanted me right away, mm-hmm. which is kind of awesome to hear. That's awesome. Um, yeah. I actually so, didn't know that part of the story. Yeah. I, I think Leela just told me that recently, actually. It was, it was very sweet. Foretelling the future is, is a very difficult thing to do. Um, and, and, and no one should go that far. But, um, what have you loved about the VRS? What do you think it's, uh, is going to carry it through this difficult time? trying to sort of arrange my thoughts around what I what I've loved I think it's a really um it's been a really lovely place to sort of start out in the arts because it's a very small team there's only five of us in the office um which really means that everything we we do we do as a team and we sort of make all of the big decisions for the organization we make together as a team which is completely incredible because I think, you know, in a bigger arts organization, if you're a person working, you know, if you're the newest employee, you don't really get to be part of the big decisions that that they're making. Um, So it's been really incredible to sort of like just be on the inside of seeing how an arts organization like this runs. Um, And yeah, and I just love my colleagues. I love the music that we present. Uh, Leela always manages to find just the most incredible artists. I was going to say um, the, the the caliber of artists that um, come through Vancouver by virtue of the Vancouver Recital Society is incredible. I remember um, one of the first concerts I went to, it was um, Simon Keenly's side with our uh, mutual friend, the lovely Sheila Munn. And it was, it was wonderful. It was in the Playhouse and he's one of my all-time uh, favorite baritones and a hero when <laughs> in young baritone life. Um, and it was, it was magical. Do you have a, um, a favorite performance or? Yeah, my, so I think my favorite performance so far was probably, um, Sheku and Isata Kana Mason, um, who came in December. They are, um, brother and sister, um, uh, black British cellist and pianist. They're, um, they perform separately as well, but they perform a lot as a duo, as a piano and cello duo. Mm-hmm. And Sheku actually um, is the cellist who performed at uh, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle's royal wedding. Oh, wait, Sheku, that, that's the concert that I missed. Yes. No. Yeah, yeah. It was... <laughs> You're regretting it now. <laughs> I'm so regretting it now. It was incredible. Like, I've just never seen sort of such harmony between two musicians on a stage together it was Mm -hmm. like they were reading each other's minds and each of them was really amazing in their own way as well um I don't know like Sheku just has so much passion when he plays the cello and you can see it in his face and he's incredible and then you watch Isata at the piano and she's a little more I don't know I don't know if reserved is the right word but she's sort of very graceful and elegant and watching her play the piano is almost like watching like a ballet dancer. <laughs> um yeah, it was a stunning concert and it was funny too cuz it was just like a crazy day. Yeah. I worked the will call for that concert. Okay. Um and we had over 1600 people come that day. So it was like a lot. It was a huge will call to try and give out at the Orpheum. So yeah, we had like 
I think in the end it was over 1,800 people came to the concert, which is incredible. Yeah. They're just so stunning. And their whole family story is super interesting, too. I think they have um, several other siblings who also play classical music. Yeah. Modern day Von Trapp family of musicians. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, they're fantastic. The couple concerts that I've been to, and especially the uh, the Simon Keenly side concert that I, recital that I went to, was the intimacy of it. And mm-hmm. um, I think that's what makes the VRS really special. Um, and I wanted to ask you, as someone who is working in, in uh, for a local arts organization, um, what will you say that the city maybe or the community and the the artistic community and the patrons um, could do uh, to help local arts organizations through this time? Yeah, I think a big thing is just like, you know, if you have the cash on hand to be able to donate to mm-hmm. the local organizations that you would usually like buy tickets from, mm-hmm. that's really important because, you know, most of these organizations survive on donations anyway. Yeah. Um, but it's even more important right now. Like the VRS had to cancel the second half of our season pretty much. Yeah. We only got to have one or two concerts before, um, before everything kind of had to be canceled and, and shut down. And, you know, right now we're kind of looking at whether we're even going to be able to start up with our next season in the fall. And it, it seems pretty unlikely, but we just don't know. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, without that ticket revenue, it, it takes kind of a big chunk out of our organization. So anything, you know, if you have tickets to an arts organization, if you can donate them back rather than asking for a refund, yes. or if you have the ability to make a donation, that's great. Or, you know, even if you can't support financially, like there are lots of other things you can do. You can send, you know, send a letter or an email to um, your local representative, council, exactly. your local representative. Yeah. Just saying, look, we need to support arts organizations right now. And, um, and, you know, not only like the big organizations either, it's important to look at the smaller organizations in your community and organizations that represent broad and diverse section of our city. Look at indigenous organizations, yes. um, organizations run by people of color, all of those are really important and deserve support as well. So when you're thinking about how art gets made and like the reason, the reasons why we have it and Mm -hmm. the reason people are able to go to concerts and stuff, like it's because there are people out there like administrators and artists who are working really, really hard to bring those amazing cultural opportunities to you. And I think it's really important right now to remember as well that being an artist is work and it's, employment and it's i think just as important as many other sections of our economy like it's really important not to forget that (laughs) it is a huge portion of the economy the the workforce that works for arts organizations big and small so yeah like just on that it's really important to push the organizations that you love and that you have a stake in to really to compensate their artists fairly to hire a diverse section of artists and you kind of have to like take a stake in your in the organizations that you love and really make sure that they're taking those steps to make sure that, yeah, all all of the artists that they're employing are fairly compensated and, and have what they need to make their art. (laughs) Absolutely.
of the things that I've been most thankful for uh, during quarantine, and I this this is something that keeps coming back in every episode, but I, I say this with full acknowledgement of the fact that I I have um, had stable work during this time. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that that I've really enjoyed is is the ability to be able to um, uh, take a step back a little bit and uh, find new creative outlets, uh, whether yes. that is um, picking up the guitar, something that I've always wanted to do, um, doing some more singing, uh, which I have been neglecting for a while, <laughs> um, if I'm being honest. Same. <laughs> yeah, it's a thing. Um, (laughs) but we haven't really touched base on what you've been up to creatively. Uh, and have you, have you done anything new? Have you added on, uh, things that you were doing beforehand? I think like the biggest thing that I started doing like immediately as soon as quarantine came in was just like cooking. Mm -hmm. That was, (laughs) that was like a huge outlet for me. We are foodies Um, for life. We are foodies for life. Yes. Um, so Duncan and I like made handmade pierogies. I hopped on the sourdough bread train. We both did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I tried making yogurt for the first time, which is... How did that turn out, by the way? I, I feel like we were talking about this before. Yeah. You know, it turned out pretty, pretty well. Um, okay. My only thing about it was that I think the yogurt that I used to like act as the culture to sort mm-hmm. of start it off, it wasn't like a super flavorful one. Like, okay. So if you start with a yogurt that doesn't have like a super tangy, like strong flavor yes. to begin with, you yes. kind of end up with just like a very, I don't know, it was just like too mild and not tangy enough. <laughs> Fair. Uh, do you want to know, so this is a total sidetrack, but do you want to know, <laughs> a yogurt sidetrack of the day? Do you, do you want to know um, of a little trick? Sure. So whenever you make uh, fresh yogurt, um, save a uh, proper like yogurt container that you would get at store um, uh, an, an entire thing of it in your fridge and with time because it's homemade yogurt it naturally starts to sour a bit okay and, and that sourness doesn't mean that it's gone bad it just means right. that, that the bacteria is alive and healthy and yeah. once that goes a little sour then you use that as your um, primer for your next batch Right. And it makes, makes your sense. next batch even better. Okay. It's kind of okay. like sourdough. The longer it yeah. stays, the more you feed. It's it's basically the same concept. The The longer it sits, the more you feed it, the better it gets. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, so, that sounds good. End of sidetrack. Um, before quarantine started, um, uh, I was at your place uh, and we were having dinner with your mom. Yes. And you made this um, really amazing a dish, a uh, chicken dish with, uh, with dates and that mm-hmm. I've never experienced before <laughs> ever in my life. And, um, and I'm wondering if you have any cool new recipes. Just trying to think here. I made, um, recently yeah. Sola L. Whaley's cinnamon date sticky buns, Ooh. which are amazing. And I had never sort of made like a cinnamon bun at home before so that was sort of a fun experience to like figure out how to do that um yeah so those and then i don't know if i mentioned like the handmade pierogies duncan and i made like another that was another sort of project i'd never tried before yeah um that was just really fun fun to do and figure out i um tried to make homemade pho one day oh yeah i did i mean i thought (laughs) i thought it was good um (laughs) My family, not so much. Um, oh, no. 
my mom, in fact, uh, um, went through, <laughs> she's very honest. You know her. She's very <laughs> honest. Um, and she, she looked at me and she was like, you know, I'm going to pull a Joey here. And she said, noodles, good. Um, soup, <laughs> Good. Chicken, good. Altogether, not so good. Um, oh no. <laughs> it was a Aww. it was a it was a uh yeah, it was a it was a sad experience. I, I worked on that for, for a very long time. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, it's okay. Oh, well, that's brutal. Okay. I'll survive. I promise I will. <laughs> but yeah, so so cooking for sure has been like a big one for me. Um and then I also I was signed up to take a burlesque class, burlesque okay. um chair cabaret class with the Vancouver burlesque company, like before all of this happened and they sort of quickly transitioned all of their classes to online. And mm-hmm. I've been having those classes over zoom, which has been really, really fun. Um, yeah, super glad that I was able to continue with that. Like even, uh, even just from home. Um, and that has kind of inspired me to like, start trying, trying painstakingly to create to start like doing a little bit of choreography myself and trying to choreograph a burlesque number for eventual future performance whenever we're allowed to <laughs> to be in a theater again. That's actually really awesome because I know how much of an effect burlesque has had on um on you over the last uh, year. Uh, our mm. our mutual friend uh, Caitlin is um uh, an amazing uh, um burlesker burlesque dancer. Sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, she's also uh, a, a singer and a wonderful artist. And it was really cool to see you and her perform together on stage. It was there was a I mean, as just a um, uh, audience member, th- it just looks like so much freedom and so much just so much fun. Yeah, it's amazing. I love it. Like I've never I've been performing for a good portion of my life and I've never had a performance where I felt like so free and just like so excited and happy to be on stage, like without other um, sort of anxieties and like worries in my going through my brain. Mm-hmm. Like I find when I'm doing other things, like, you know, even though I really enjoy singing, I find that there's always just this sort of loop in my brain of like, oh, you have to make sure this is perfect and like, don't get that note wrong. And, yes. And it, it feels to me like there's... I I haven't yet experienced that sort of pressure from coming from myself when I'm doing burlesque. Yeah. Um, it's just so much fun. I love it. <laughs> I wanted to touch on, uh, creative ways that artists uh, and, and, and musicians uh, find ways of employment, mm-hmm. um, especially in hard times. Uh, we, I guess we are in, in a way uh, trained to make um, something out of nothing. Um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I mean, for me, I started teaching in December. Uh, I have one student and I continue doing that um, during the quarantine time. And it's been really inspiring to see how hard he's been working and, and, um, and to just inspiration on, on on all levels. And it's been a really good thing for me mentally as well. Um, mm-hmm. Have you found a side hustle? I feel like that's, is that the right term for it? A side hustle? Yeah. yeah. Have you sure. found a side? I know you're really into um, uh, audio engineering now and um, audio editing, I should say, and video editing. And I was mm-hmm. wondering, is that something that you're like fully pursuing? Yeah. I, so I had started doing that, um, 
in January of this year, okay. a little bit sort of working. Duncan's mom um, does a weekly video podcast for her business. Yes. Um, so I had started doing the editing for that and learning how to use Adobe Premiere and and most of the Adobe suite, actually, because you need different parts of it to, to create elements for the videos. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had kind of started there. And then once the quarantine hit, I kind of found that I had a lot more time to spend on that because just because the, you know, we're not having concerts at the VRS. So the work there sort of slowed down quite a bit. Um, so I started really just engaging with the, the video and audio editing more and more Mm -hmm. and trying to teach myself how to do it better, (laughs) um, and learn how to, you know, create little animations and, and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and then it's just been like picking up more and more as we go along. I'm uh, thinking about, you know, t- maybe taking on some other freelance clients. And then I'm also doing um, editing for a video series that the VRS is putting together. That's um, very cool. Yeah. So, yeah, Leela's talking with a bunch of artists over Zoom. And so she's doing interviews with them. And then I'm sort of editing those down and um, into a more manageable (laughs) 25 minutes instead of an hour. Yes. Sort of video. Yes. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's been, it's been really exciting to do that. And it's something that I never really thought I would be interested in that I kind of just discovered through this, you know, through this one job for Duncan's mom. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, you know, I thought that would just be like a little, little side hustle, a little like few, few extra hundred dollars a month. Yeah. But now I'm just really feeling like I really want to do more and more of it. And the cool thing about it for me is that like, I've never been one of those people who does really well with like teaching themselves things. Mm -hmm. Um, I've always just found like I lose interest or I'm like, I want to be perfect at it right away. So, (laughs) so I just like give up. Also very guilty of that. Yes. Yeah. Um, but this, I don't know. It's just like, it's sort of stuck with me and like every time I want to like do something or like make a certain element that I have no idea how to create, Mm -hmm. I, you know, do the research and like put in the work myself to learn how to do it, Mm -hmm. which has also been really fulfilling and, and also probably like partially a result of having extra time in my life to, to be able to do that. Yes. Um, cause believe it or not, normally we're all running like headless chickens. Yes. Yeah. God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think you mentioned like, you know, thinking about other artists who are maybe trying to find like creative outlets and like ways to keep themselves employed. Like that would be a, a big piece of advice that I would give. It's just like, that's exactly what I was have, going to ask you next. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you have an interest in something, um, you know, just sort of take it and run with it. And, and it's so easy to learn things online and, and teach yourself things now. So if, you know, if YouTube literally in, has everything. Yeah. You, there's, there's everything and anything you want to learn on YouTube and, and, um, yeah, uh, go for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's so much you can, you can just teach yourself and, um, yeah, it's, you know, obviously it's not like the I- ideal circumstance right now. Of course. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, I have a lot of friends who are are kind of out of work right now cuz they work in the arts usually, they teach or they do they perform or you know other stuff. Yes. Um Yeah, so it's it's really hard obviously to to not have that anymore. Yeah. But 
the more you can keep learning and sort of keep yourself engaged with with the arts in one way or another, I think that's really important. Yeah, um, we are all um, creative souls. Uh, mm -hmm. I guess that's where the that's where it comes from is is just wanting to continue that creativity. Um, yeah, I was uh, reflecting on. Um, that theme keeps coming back to me over and over again because it, it's just that's what quarantine has really been for me. Uh, a re really big reflection on everything uh, that has culminated culminated into this. I can't speak English anymore um, <laughs> into this moment. Um, and I was reminiscing about uh, our performances at uh, UBC Opera when we were mm -hmm. part of the ensemble. And do you remember the hilarity of the storm scene? Oh, is this, is this the mechanicals? It's the mechanicals. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. I'm there now. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, it, it was uh, the staging. There was a, there was a storm scene at the, almost the very end of the opera, the mechanicals. I was starveling Duncan. I was playing bottom. Um, and Kevin Guiman was the wall in this scene and the walls costume, um, was a sandwich board uh, that looked like <laughs> bricks. And in this storm scene, we're all singing and it's crazy. And our, uh, I believe that evening it was um, Richard Epp at the piano, the lovely Richard Epp. And our conductor for the show was Maestro Les Dalla. And um, Les is one of the most incredible and down-to-earth people and he his comedic timing is, is absolutely perfect. Mm -hmm. So we're in the middle of this scene Everything's going well. Somehow, I think Kevin lets go of the sandwich board, and in the in the um, storm, I get hit. I get hit <laughs> in a rather uh, and really rather unfortunate area, <laughs> and I go straight down to my knees. And the music continues for the next like ten seconds. And Nancy knows notices Nancy Hermiston, director of the program, notices that. Um, I'm down. And she says, Allie, are you okay? Stops to stops to rehearsal. Allie, are you okay? And I distinctly remember not being able to really speak because <laughs> the wind had completely been oh, knocked no. out of me. And I think it went something along the lines of, I'm okay. Um, <laughs> and... She just started laughing because she knew exactly what had happened. And so did Les. So did everybody else. It was a hilarious moment for everyone. And... Right as I was getting up and everything was good, I was like ready to go again. Um, Les, um, again, with this perfect timing, turned around and said, well, if that's not a balls to the walls performance, I'm not sure what is. <laughs> oh, I love that story so much. Oh, God. It, I'm, I'm sure it was very painful for you, but everyone else. I mean, like... I, yeah, but I'm, after we never did this, but we were going to make t-shirts that said balls to the walls and oh, yeah. that that was supposed to ha i think i may i may still do that um <laughs> <laughs> could still happen could still happen um but it's like memories like that that I, i've really been um getting in touch with over the last little while as well yeah um and uh another one to share there was this uh um and i don't without naming any names of course um there was this moment we were, uh, I don't think, were you here when we did Carmen? I was not. You no, were not. No, that was one year before I, I entered the program. Okay. So, um, lovely, uh, lovely student, um, uh, 
very particular way of uh, vocalizing that no one <laughs> that no one had heard before. Yeah. And we were in the middle of rehearsing for Carmen and Nancy had just called everyone off stage because she was going to give notes. And just as she started talking, all you could hear from backstage was Matt Damon. <laughs> Matt Damon. <laughs> I was not here for this, but I've heard this story so many times. Oh this is God. like UBC opera legend. Legend. It is absolute <laughs> legend. 2013. It's glorious here. Um, yeah. It's, yeah. It's just stories like that that, um, oh, it's, it's a definitely miss it. It's, it was a, it was an incredible seven years there. What are you listening to during quarantine? Uh, are there any, um, new uh, bands, individual artists, podcasts that you've been that have uh, been filling your time when you've had time to just relax. Yeah i I listen to a lot of Saint Vincent because I love her. She's incredible. She's amazing. Yeah. Um, it's funny. Most of the music I've been listening to has been while I'm either out for a walk or like working out. So mm -hmm. a lot of it's sort of like more like upbeat, which is kind of nice. Yes. Um, another one that I have been listening to recently is uh dirty the dirty computer album by janelle monet okay which is incredible and i had never it's came out a couple of years ago and i'd never listened to it before but i was listening to an interview with janelle monet um on an npr podcast mm -hmm. and she was just like so interesting and well spoken about this album it's like oh okay i have to go and listen to this and i think it's going to be my album of the summer it's just so good um <laughs> I will definitely yeah. put it on my list. Do it. It's yeah. amazing. I yeah, so I've been loving that. And then the other day I was sort of looking um the VRS puts out like a weekly newsletter, so mm -hmm. I kind of look on YouTube um to see what my music pick for that is going to be because okay. we've been doing going around the staff and sort of each one of us will pick uh like a favorite YouTube clip for the week. Yes. Uh, just sort of keep keep our patrons engaged with some some music of course um so i was just on youtube sort of looking around for that and i came across um jeremy dutcher's tiny desk concert his that concert blew me away and he actually yeah. sorry speaking of him he he and his parents are quarantining and he did an instagram live today oh. um um if for anyone who has a chance i think it'll still be up go on uh, instagram live and, and watch it it was a uh, um, their own method of protesting through through music and stories. Uh, he's a brilliant artist. I'm sorry to interrupt. Mm -hmm. Just wanted to put that out there. Yeah, no, that that's amazing. I hadn't seen that, and I just like reminded. I was just reminded of how incredible his music is. Yeah. Just when I came across that Tiny Desk concert again, because I I had the chance to see him live um, again like a couple of years ago now, and mm -hmm. it just blew me away. He is this incredible like performer, composer, an activist, a musicologist, like everything. He's everything yeah. and a classically trained tenor. He won the Polaris. Like he's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah. So that's that's the stuff that's been sort of keeping me going in the the past couple weeks. And um yeah, in terms of podcasts, I listen to a lot of different ones. Mm -hmm. Um one favorite that I've had for a long time now is uh Table Manners with Jesse Ware. I started listening to that based on your recommendation. It is so yeah. funny. It's so funny. Yeah. It's it's wonderful. Um and <laughs> she so Jessie is a is a singer as well and she and her mom have kind of been 
um, in lockdown in the UK yeah. uh, in separate houses recently. And so they're, they're still doing the podcast, but they're doing it separately and they're talking to people all over the world now because mm-hmm. they are able to do that through Zoom. And it's just been so much fun um, to be able to keep listening to that, like even though, even through all the things that are, that are going on right now. So it's really nice. That's awesome. Um, Mel, thank you so much for um, speaking with me today. Uh, you are <clears throat> part of a group of people who we need in not only Vancouver, across North America, but across the world. It's really important. Again, I think the call to action is it's really important for people to know how important it is to support their local arts organizations. Mm-hmm. That it not only does it make a difference, again, on um, the culture that is surrounding us within the city, but it makes a difference because there are actual people working at these organizations. And these organizations are very much built on blood, sweat, and sometimes tears. Yeah. I, actually, I would say, I should say, um, sweat, tears, and sometimes blood. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the other way around. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good way to do it. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's critical for, for us to keep that going and keep our cultural um, institutions um, alive and well throughout this period. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me. This has been a complete pleasure. Thank you again to Duncan Watts Grant for going on this podcast adventure with me. Please remember to support your local arts organizations. Support can come in many different shapes and sizes, from small individual donations to letters to your local city representatives advocating for funding. I think it's more important now than ever that we as a community stand together and work towards a brighter future. Stand for diversity. Stand for equality. Stand for justice. Thank you.